Let the church say amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, fill this room, and that's why we're here today. We're kicking off, and I didn't get with our secretary, so it's not Eileen's fault. It's pastor's fault. We are starting the book of Acts this week, so I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Miss Evelina asked me a couple weeks ago when I said, we're going to go into the book of said, you must be wanting a revival to happen. I say, absolutely I am. I want to see God glorified and lifted up in this community and in this world. And, and I believe God's doing something really big here, don't you? The book of Acts is all about the movement of the Holy Spirit in that first century church and how it forever impacted our society. And today we glorify the Lord knowing with, with, without any doubt at all that the Holy Spirit that was available to that first century church is available to us today. In fact, none of us can even believe if it were not for the Holy Spirit. And as coming off a week of Falls Creek, you know, it's a very focused week. I, the, the youth are like, man, I, I just feel so close to God. And I say, you're close to God because you're not Snapchatting every three seconds. You're close to God because you're not, you know, filled with the things of this world. You're, you're close to God because you are listening to the Spirit of God consistently throughout the whole week. Some people say, what does False Creek look like? False Creek looks like this. Well, it's a lot of tiredness. But False Creek looks like this. You get up, you read your Bible, you pray, you fellowship. You have more Bible time by yourself. You eat. The eating's always good. You go to a big tabernacle, and everybody worships and reads and prays together, right? We come back, we eat again. Then we spend an afternoon just fellowshipping with Christians from all over the state of Oklahoma. Then we come back to our dorms and we eat again. Then we go to Tabernacle and we listen to the Spirit's call again. We come back to the Tabernacle at night and we eat again. We're Baptists after all, right? And then we spend a night of worship again before we go to bed. I mean, it's just a consistent feeding of our spirits. And I, and I think sometimes what is wrong with the modern church? We show up to church and we're more concerned with our wants and our desires, whether the pews are too hard, too soft, whether we like the music or not, whether we like the pastor or not. We have those kinds of thoughts instead of saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Lord, I want you to move in me. That should be the desire. The early church is defined by the fact that they were consistently meeting together in prayer and eating. That's biblical, right? But they come together. They come together and the Lord spoke and did mighty things because his people humbled themselves and sought only after the Lord. And church, if we want to see revival in our time, if we want to see revival in McLeod, Oklahoma, we have to get to the point that we're only focused on seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Wednesday nights are a great example of that. If, you, if you're here, at 5.30 we meet here and we have our prayer and our Bible study, and it is all about prayer. It is all about getting into the Word, and God, what are you saying to us? At 6.30, our kids get together, the gospel is proclaimed. Our youth at the same time are meeting and the gospel is proclaimed. And, and I think about that. We, we, we feel pretty good, don't we, Austin? Hey, we have Wednesday night and Sunday morning. God is really calling the church to be 100% sold out for him. That's the call. It's not just Sundays and Wednesdays. It's all the time that early church is defined by the fact that they gave their lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to see God move, that's the, that's the, the answer. 
We have to get to a point that we're, we're not so consumed with the things of this world. And, and, but which by the way, church doesn't only happen right here in this place. Everybody understands that, right? We're, we're not just here and then we go out and we just kind of, you know, just go live life. The work of the Holy Spirit happens at all times. Brother Tony mentioned that we got in the, the people mover. We, we were able to, Sharon Baptist Church was grateful enough to let us borrow their vehicle. And what a wonderful vehicle it was, man. It's just, church, we need one just like it, okay? I'm just saying, your pastor felt like a, a really fancy guy driving down the road in that. Except for it said Sharon and not FBC McLeod. But anyways, we're driving down the road and, and uh, you know, we're just enjoying that time. But before we even left that morning, it would not start. Now, the pastor over there, he told me, oh, there's some kind of like electrical stuff with this. So sometimes, you know, and I'm like, ah, it'll be okay. So we get everybody loaded up. I mean, we've prayed. Miss Linda took pictures of us, you know. It's just like all this stuff happens. And we get in there and I go to turn the key and nothing, you know. It, 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 was, it, was, it was just dead. It looked, like, it looked like a lot of us on Sunday mornings when we're listening to the sermon. Just asleep. It was not happening. I was going to say back row Baptist, but I really love you folks on the back row. I wasn't going to say that, okay? Y'all look very much alive this morning. They're just beautiful, beautiful people. But it wouldn't start. And I'm like, well, what do we do? Like, we have all these kids. We have a busload of kids and really no other option. We didn't have a plan B, right? Next year, we're going to have a plan B, by the way. But we didn't know. Like, well, what are we going to do? And so, you know, Brother Jim was there, and he's, 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 he's trying to figure out, well, maybe we need to jump it. We need to do something like that. And they're trying to get that set up. And I just, I just stopped. I said, Holy Spirit, I know you're leading us to Falls Creek this week. And, and I know that it may seem silly, but Lord, I, would you please start this? Man, I stuck the key in, and it just started right up. I don't know how that happens. You know, some people say, well, you know, it's, it was, you know, electrical, it was the, you know, whatever, the, the capacitor, the, 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 whatever. You know what it was? It was the Holy Spirit, I believe. And, and, and really it was a confirmation to me that we were doing exactly what we needed to do. And the reason I tell you that story this morning before we get into the word is for this reason. We miss those opportunities all the time. The early church lived with an expectation of the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. That's all they had. Their Savior had already resurrected. And what they had known, many of them had known as everyday life, walking with Jesus, seeing him work. Now they were invited into the work of the church. And we're still there. We're still there. This morning, as we look in the book of Acts, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And in and, and chapter 1, we're going to read through just a few verses here. We're probably going to be in chapter 1 for a couple weeks now. But, but, but I want us to catch a picture of what the book of Acts is about and how that applies to you and I today. Look at verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, they were looking on and he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. This is the word of the Lord. God, we love you and we praise you for your goodness. Your word speaks to us today. And Father, as we go into this study, into the book of Acts, Lord, I pray that you would just, Lord, start a fire down deep in our soul, Lord, that, that Lord, as we go from this place, it's, it's just a part of who we are, not just at church, not just at Falls Creek, but Lord, it's something that is consistent in our lives. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us. And Lord, may we walk by his power all the days of our lives, not for our glory, Lord, but for yours. And we ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If you're looking into the book of Acts, one thing we can say about Acts is it's not a devotional book, okay? This is not, you know, this is not uh, Max Lucado or something. This is not a devotional book. It's not something, it's kind of a, a different type of book than the rest that we're seeing in a lot of parts of scripture. It's not, it's not Paul's writings where Paul's instructing people on how to. It's a picture of how to. It's a historical book, so to speak. It's, it's not a teaching letter. It's not an epistle, but it's a lot like the history books that we read in the Old Testament. And I know a lot of us love reading the Old Testament history. You got, you guys are all into that, right? You're just like, man, you're just all into it. Austin and I are, but we're nerds too. You know, I mean, it was like, we just love history stuff. But, but for a lot of us, the Old Testament is kind of boring. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of stories and, you know, blah. But this is the story of the church, the Holy Spirit's working within the church and, and how you and I today, we can be empowered in the same exact way. We don't have to be people that just walk around defeated all the time. I hate how people look at the gas pumps nowadays. Defeated, right? I saw a meme this week where it, was, it had some people, they, it says that this is the new type of window shopping. It was a guy staring at a gas pump. You know, it's like, man, that's some nice unleaded petrol there. You know, that's just some awesome stuff. But you and I today are not to walk away in the same, in that kind of way, as spiritually speaking. We are to walk in spirits and we are to walk in a life that the world notices. That the world notices. You sponsors, I went to Falls Creek this week. The kids saw something different in you because you walk in the spirit. And guys, I'll be honest with you. The youth group that we're working with right now are almost 100% unchurched. They don't have family that love Jesus. And we can look at that and say, that's very difficult. It is difficult. There's a lot of these kids who are bringing trauma and and terrible things to the situation. Some of them were telling us stuff this week that just broke my heart. I'm like, I never went through anything like that. And here they are, they're, they're young people and they, they've seen so much in their time. And besides all of that, they don't have a biblical backing at home. And along comes the church, right? I'm not lifting y'all up, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit working in your lives, those kids notice that. 
They notice that, that there, there can be a different way. There can be a different way to live their lives. One of the, one of the devotional times we had this week, they, uh, everybody, we love Oculuses, right? Uh, our youth group loves the Oculus. We, we have one of those that we use on Wednesday night and it, whenever the kids can get it away from pastor, that it's awesome, you know? And, and I love that Oculus because it, it kind of gives you this new reality. But honestly, in a lot of ways, people are walking around with these blinders on and they don't even know what's real anymore. They don't know. They're, they're confused. But the Holy Spirit, what he does is he rips that Oculus off and he says, here's reality. Here's truth. Here's the goodness of life. And, and I love that, that in this first church, we're not just getting, you know, just a, a, you know, like a doctrinal study, so to speak, which those are great and we need them. But this history that we see in, in the book of Acts is, is relevant to you and I today. We're still a church that needs Jesus. These people that we will be reading about over the next few weeks, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I look at this book and I see myself in a lot of these people. They, they were starting from scratch, so to speak, right? Jesus had ascended and he said, hey, y'all just hang out and the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And they're like, wait, Jesus, when are you going to re, you know, reestablish the kingdom? When are you going to do that? That was still their question. After everything they had seen, they're still like, are you going to set the kingdom up now, Jesus? You know? Are we going to have a perfect government in this world today? And Jesus is like, just hang on. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to show you. We need that type of focus in our own lives today, church. And these brothers and sisters that we read about here in the book of Acts, they're dealing with the same kinds of issues, the same kinds of problems. And we can relate to that, can't we? A lot of times people say, man, things are so terrible today in this world. And they are. But you know, to be honest with you, things have always been terrible since the fall in Eden. It's always been terrible. Well, you know, we, we, uh, we abort babies. They aborted babies in the Old Testament. Well, there's, you know, we have all these kind of weird sexual identities in today's day and age. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, I mean, sin has always consistently been at man's side. And what the Holy Spirit does for you and I today, it's not just something that some would say, well, it makes me dance and makes me, you know, act goofy. The Holy Spirit can do that, by the way. But really what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us. He comforts us. He leads us. And if we're ever to go into a time of revival in this church, we must draw close to God. We must be ever mindful that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Now, this this past week, I told you guys, I got to pray with 38 kids, okay? So they have these different positions. You got the kids, I love it, at False Creek. They, they empower the youth to go and to pray like sinner's prayer, you know, recommitment prayers. They pray all this with these, these people that come down. And every night, there's like 150, 200, 300 kids that come down. And every time my, my I'm getting goosebumps right now, but every time, you know, it's like, wow, like God is moving in such powerful ways. Are every one of these kids sincere? Probably not. But you know, the overwhelming number, I believe, are hearing from God that week. But these kids, they pray, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of standing there because you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm high and holy man. You know, I kind of feel, I don't feel that way at all. But standing there, you know, and I've got the little badge and all that. And then when they get done praying, they come to me. And I get to hear these kids' stories. You sponsors, man, what a blessing it is to hear the stories of lives that have been forever changed. Praying with those kids, I'm just reminded that we're not so much different than the, the people in here in the book of Acts, that they were, they were doing with the same thing. They had unchurched kids coming to their church. They had unchurched people coming to their church. In fact, they'd never been to church because there hadn't been a church. 
And now here is the church and the church is there. And I want to say something. What I see in this first chapter is this one point. And if you guys want to kind of focus on something as you guys come to service and you listen to these passages, as you go home and read through Acts chapter one this week, everybody say amen. As you read through the book of Acts, what I want you to understand is that there's this common theme and it's called this witness. Can I get a witness? There's a power in the witness. There's power in being a witness of what God has done. It's a story of a Chinese farmer, and he had cataracts. And so he goes to this missionary who's a doctor as well, and the, that missionary, he, he, he does a, a surgery on the man, removes his cataracts, right? And so the, the cataracts are removed, the guy can see, awesome story. He's presented the gospel, awesome story. The guy goes back to his village, and a couple days go by, and the doctor's sitting in his office, and out of his window, he can see this man who was once blind, but can now see with a rope, and attached to the rope are about 30 or 40 people who are blind. He's dragging that rope, those people are following right along with him. He brought them to the doctor because he didn't really understand the dynamics of what cataract surgery involves. He didn't understand what cataracts probably even were. But what he understood is that there is a doctor who can fix you. Church, what I want you to understand, there's a lot of people in the church today who can see clearly. You've been, you've been afforded the opportunity to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there in your life. You can see if you will. But in the world, there are a lot of people who are just blind. They need, they need some of us to go out here with a rope and say, hey, hang on, I got, I got a ride for you that you're going to love. And not all of us here are called to be deep theologians. Not all of us, probably I'd say 99.9% of us will never understand 10% of who God is, right? Not till we get to heaven. We're not called in scripture to be super intelligent. Not that I'm saying don't study, don't know more. I'm just saying our minds are very limited. Not everyone here is going to be the next Billy Graham or Adrian Rogers or Lottie Moon. But here's one thing we can all be, and I want you guys to hit this and think about this. We can all be witnesses. And there is power in being a witness. There's power in being a witness. And the point of this whole book is to encourage you and I to move past phase one and into the following phases. A lot of us are good about phase one, aren't we? We are. I would even venture to say the church is really good at evangelizing, but we're terrible at discipling. We're really good at, you know, hey, let's take a group of kids to Falls Creek. But then Falls Creek's over. We're like, well, see you next year. Some of us are really good about VBS. Let's bring all these kids in here and we do VBS. But then when it's over, nothing. We have to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to take that because discipleship is very messy. It's gross. You know, I think even in one week, Austin, some discipling some of these kids, we saw the, the 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 ugliness of sin and what it does to people. And we can't just say, here's Jesus, now go on. We have to be a church that walks by the power of the Holy Spirit and we love people enough to get down and to get messy, right? After being gone all week, we get in, I don't know, I probably crawled in bed at 2.30 on Friday night or Saturday morning. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, Saturday morning. And then we get up and, and my boy, he's, he plays on like a travel team. So we drive all the way to this wonderful city called Wichita, Kansas. I'd never even been there. It's a beautiful place. But we go there. It's beautiful because I ate. I'm Baptist. So we go up there and, and we, we, we watch basketball all day long, you know. And uh, our little guy, three-year-old guy, 
he, he's, he's just, you know, he's good, but he's active and he has to play and all this. And so there were times that Joni and I would actually have to get down on the ground and like play cars with him, you know? It's not a very uh, uplifting experience to set on the ground. But you know, I think what we need in the church today is for a bunch of us who are very mature in our faith, who have clear sight to get down and to, and to, to be with these people who need Jesus. Discipleship is messy, but what we see in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to do that very thing. And being a witness is a powerful thing. Being a witness is something we're called to. A lot of us are just like silent witnesses. We just don't really speak about it. I pray for our team as we go to to Turkey later this year. I'm like, we kind of have to be silent in places and maybe not so much in others, but, but we're not called to be silent in America. We have freedom to tell people about Jesus. We have freedom to disciple people. Even the kids who come to our church, even the adults who come to our church with the messiest of lives, we are called to disciple them, to love them. And being a witness is powerful enough. I think the thing is, is we think, well, that's the pastor's job. You know, that's worship, worship pastor's job, student pastor's job. That's the deacon's job. We're all called to disciple people. There are people in your circle who need someone just to love them, just to be there for them. The offices of the church are there for a reason, but honestly, the whole church is called to do this exact work. And so when we're looking here in verses one through five, the first point I would say this morning is that witnesses knowingly serve a living God. I want to say that again, okay? Because some of y'all look dead. Witnesses knowingly serve a living God that the church say, amen. Is God alive? He is, isn't he? He speaks to us in so many ways. And, and I, I think we just get, I don't know, callous to it that we think, oh yeah, God's alive. You know, he is alive. And, and one of our greatest rewards that we will ever receive is knowing Jesus, is knowing who he is. And knowing not that he's just a God who's out here, but he's a God that is alive. God is not dead as some would suppose. He's not. He's working. Spend a week at False Creek and you'll understand that. Spend a week working with the CAs. I bet Miss Sandra would love for people to come and say, hey, we're just going to come and just be a part of CAs on Wednesday night. Because God moves in that place. The work of the Holy Spirit speaking to these young hearts. And, and we must understand that God is not dead like some would say. He's active and he's the hope of the church. He was the hope of the church in the first century and he's the hope of the church today in 2022. He's the hope of the world. He's active. He's living. He's moving. Guys, let's get past the point that God's something that we just worship here and then we just kind of go home and don't think about it for a week. God is active, living, moving in your homes, with your kids, with your wife, with your husband. God is active and moving in those things. And, and when we look there in verses one through five, we see that exact same thing. You know, the, the writer here is something, it's Luke. I'm pretty sure it is. But Luke's writing to this dude with a really cool name, Theophilus. You know, he's talking about Theophilus. I wanted to call Jaren Theophilus and Joni said no. But oh, Theophilus, he, he's writing to this in this really cool name. And, and he talks not about himself. He doesn't talk about being, you know, uh, who he is. But he talks about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And that Jesus didn't just come and teach and then die, but rather he came back and he taught them more. Y'all want to know how important being taught is? It's important. It's important. It's not, it's not that we just do it just so we can say, well, I was at church and I listened to a sermon today. That's good. But it's important that you consistently 
set under the teaching of the Word of God, whether it be through your own devotion time or at church or in a, a small group. God wants to speak to us today, and the reason is because He is a living God. Don't ever forget that. That empowers me to think that my God's alive because there's some of these kids. I'm getting older, right? I, I, I turned a little older here in a few weeks, and I'm thinking, man, where do these years go? Like, Joni, Joni and I, we've been going to Falls Creek for like since we were kids, you know? And it's like, I'm walking around and I'm a little stiffer than I used to be. Um, yeah, time just kind of ravages on us at time. You know, time goes by. It happens. And, and, and that's just life. But the Holy Spirit's power in us, it, it empowers us to, to do all things, doesn't it? You know, I, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by Brother Tony and just his, man, his relentless pursuit of God and the way that he was just able to love these kids. And, you know, uh, he got up and did the 5K. I did not. You know, I was just thinking about things like that. Is Is that all, you know? I'm sure it's good diet and everything else and good healthy living, Brother Tony, but I believe by and large, it's the Holy Spirit's work in someone's life. I was blessed by uh, sponsors from other churches. I was blessed by the work of the Holy Spirit through new believers who gave up and gave their testimony. But every bit of it's the Holy Spirit. Some people, some people behave differently. Some people speak differently. Some people have just different looks, but it's the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is there to empower us because our God is alive. Our God is alive. And so we cannot forget that. The second thing I would say this morning is that witnesses are powered by the Holy Spirit. And I know we're Southern Baptists and we're scared of the Holy Spirit, but don't be, okay? The Holy Spirit is, is, is the key to it all. Jesus was like, I'm going to come. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to shed my blood on the cross. I'm going to resurrect again. But you guys are human, so I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone that can help you, empower you. We've been sent a comforter and a guide. I bet I can say, how many of us in here today need a comforter in your life it's from time to time? You know, you lost someone. You bought gasoline this week, right? I mean, we, we all need a comforter from time to time. You know, I, I think about my story when I drove through uh, Taco Bell that time and they didn't have any meat or cheese or all they basically had was tortillas and lettuce. And I'm like, well, what am I going to eat? Which, by the way, your pastor last night about, I don't know, 11 o'clock drove 16 miles out of the way so I could have me a gordita, you know, a chalupa, a burrito, a taco. Yeah, anyways, that's not the point. But, but you know, we, we, we think about like our lives. We think about how are we powered? How, how are you powered today? Well, we've been sent a comforter and a guide. Even a guide who will comfort you when Taco Bell's out of meat. A guide that'll, that'll lead you where you need to go, even when we're lost, and especially when we're lost. But I have to ask this question today, why would we need a guide if we're not in need of a guide, right? The Holy Spirit is there to guide us. If we, if we knew exactly where we were going and what we were doing, then we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. Everybody say amen. So the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. If, now catch this one, I like this one. Why would we need a comforter if we were living a perfect painless life. My, my caution to you today is that we're going to have pain. We're going to have suffering. We're going to have loss. My brother Clayton lost his dad this week. I know that's, that's terrible for him, especially all that they've been through over the last several years. He lost his dad. I can relate to that. I lost my dad too, and it's, it's hard. We've all lost people in our lives. And one thing I can say is that it's the comfort of the Holy Spirit that gets you through 
all things in life. He comforts us in, in, in the day-to-day. He comforts us in, in knowing that, hey, what we're doing matters. Church, what you do, partnering with the church, partnering with Oklahoma Baptist, partnering with you know, the SBC, partnering with other Christians across denominations, what we do matters. It's, 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 it's important. I love being a part of our ministerial lives here in town because we all just preach Jesus. You know? They're all doing it wrong. You know, Baptists, we're, we're completely 100% right, right? So, so, but I love it because we all preach Jesus. I'm just kidding. We, we just preach Jesus. That's it. We preach Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. And in the meantime, we are powered by the Holy Spirit. I love uh, Francis Chan wrote this book a few years ago called Forgotten God. It's kind of one of those books that you just read and you remember it, you know? And, and Francis, he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to live so that I am truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. Everybody say amen. If you want to get up in the morning, say, Holy Spirit, lead me today. He goes on, he says, Christ said it's better for us that the Spirit come, and I want to live like that is true. I think a lot of the church today, we don't even live like the Holy Spirit even exists. You know? Austin and I, we had some good discussions this week on different viewpoints on like, you know, the Holy Spirit and like how people react. I mean, some people have different types of prayers, you know, some churches you go to and everybody's got their hands in the air. I'm one of those guys that like to lift my hands when I sing, you know, I don't do it for show. It's just, it's just that's how I worship God. But some people are really content just to, to worship right here. And that's okay too, right? I've known people that dance. We don't dance here, I know, but... Which, by the way, I don't think that's so much true anymore. <laughs> Our youth come together every night, and they just had a big dance out there. I was like, okay, that's, that's funny. One thing funny is Falls Creek this year as well is that they had this thing called a silent disco. Everybody gets a headset. And there's no music, but there's all these people out there, and they're just like dancing. It's Christian music, and it's very watched over, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not sketchy dancing, by the way. But they're out there having fun. Everybody here worships differently. We all do different things differently. But the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the same for all of us. He guides us. He protects us. And we, we should live like the Holy Spirit's real, don't you think? What does that look like, Daniel? What it looks like is when we decide to do new ministries within the church or when the Lord gives us opportunities to go, we go. Because the Holy Spirit's leading us and we trust him. And sometimes we just spiritualize the Holy Spirit so much, we miss the spirit of who the Holy Spirit is. We miss it. We spiritualize it. We're like, well, it's the Holy Spirit, and that's you know, scary. Or, or maybe some people over-spiritualize it. And so they're, like, the only thing they can do in life is spiritual things like that. It has to be all about you know, emotions and, and all that. That's not it. The Holy Spirit's there to make ministry possible, to make pleasing God possible. Francis Chan, he kind of ends up that little quote. He says, I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. So many of us, we're just crawling. Are we still saved? I believe so. Yes, I think when God saves us, he saves us in spite of ourselves, (laughs) right? You know, going with another church this week, they do stuff a little differently than us. I was like, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's gonna move in spite of ourselves. He's gonna move in spite of, of, of a lot of things because he is, He's the Holy Spirit, and that's what he's, he's came to do. So our call today is to, to be a people who know that we serve a living God. A witness is also someone who's powered by the Holy Spirit. Don't let that scare you, but rather be praying, God, would you speak to me even more? Would you speak to me even more? The last thing I would say this morning in closing is this. Witnesses live in expectation, right? 
these kids about drove me crazy over the last month or so. When are we leaving Falls Street? When are we leaving Falls Creek? You know? And I, I, I always had a joke, even when I was at Porum, I would be like, say we'd leave at nine o'clock. And I would tell these kids, we're leaving at nine, right? Or we're going to meet at the church at nine. Well, when do we need to get there? Nine. Okay, so, so we're leaving at nine, or we're leaving at 9.30, and we're going to meet at the church at nine. So what time do we need to get there? Nine o'clock, okay? Nine. 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 Mark it, right? Make, it, make an alarm. Do not show up to church till nine o'clock. We had people here at eight o'clock the other morning, and I'm like, what did you not understand? It's going to be a really long week if you can't understand time stuff. But God bless them because they were excited, right? They were expectant. They were ready. You moms know what it's like when you're expecting a kid, right? Joni, man, she would just, she'd start nesting and she's getting all this ready. And, you know, we had to, had to get the, the newest and fanciest of Noah's Ark uh, nursery decorations, which is like really kind of morbid in a lot of ways that we decorate our kids' nurseries in Noah's Ark. Oh, yes, it was a great massacre for people's sin, you know? It's like, it's like really what we're celebrating, I guess. Now we're celebrating the hope. I know, I know, I know. But it's, that's how my mind works. I'm sorry. But you think about this for a moment. An expectant mother prepares, does she not? An expectant kid going to Falls Creek shows up earlier than they need to show up. And as, as much as we laugh about that as Christians, I think we need to be expecting Jesus to work. We need to be expecting Christ to work. You know, I think half the time, most churches in America today, if someone came down to give their life to the Lord, 90% of the church wouldn't know what to do. Well, that's the pastor's job. That's, that's, that's not us. If we showed up Wednesday nights and we had 500 kids here, Sandra, what would we do, you know? Well, for one, we probably really just don't expect that. Well, we're going to have the same 20 kids or whatever, you know? That's, that's kind of what we think. But really, we should be expecting God to move in some way that all of a sudden there's like 10 more kids or 20 more kids that night. Which, by the way, Sandra would be all pumped about that. She's not one of those people. She's going to be like, yeah, bring them on, right? Austin, a few weeks ago, man, our, 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 like our youth attendance went like, whoop. <laughs> it's like, where did all these kids come from? Which, by the way, we need your help on Wednesday nights. I'll, I'll just say it again. But we should live in expectation. Don't, don't walk around and just expect the same. We should live that God's going to do new and great things. We're planning, you know, so much stuff throughout this year that I think God, you know, we're at week, uh, month 10 or 11 that I've been here, you know, and I kind of think we've been at this phase one for a while and it's good. Like I'm getting to know you guys. We're loving each other. Like I feel like we're just meshing. Like the other night we pulled in from Falls Creek and I felt like I was home in McLeod, Oklahoma. I hadn't even lived here a year yet. I'm like, oh, thank goodness I'm home. But spiritually speaking, I feel home here. I think a lot of us feel home here. This is like, this is where it's, this is where it's at, you know? And we're in phase one, but God's saying, go to phase two. How do we go to phase two? The Spirit's call, the Spirit's guiding, the Spirit's direction. So we should all be living with God to move, not just in normal expected ways, but for God to move in miraculous ways, in miraculous ways. We saw God move in some miraculous ways this week. I saw kids come to God that I, when we first took them, I was like, well, they're going to be our, that's going to be our problem kid right there, you know? I saw one kid who has, who has a very bad uh, anger issue become someone who was just loving on people he didn't even know. Now, is he perfect? No, he still wanted to punch somebody in the face at the end of the week. But, 
I saw a change in this young man, right? That's, a, that's where discipleship comes in, right? I, I'm just going to have to wrap my arms around this kid and just keep loving him. Austin's going to do the same. That's one example. But how many of us, when we came to Jesus, maybe we were kicking and screaming a little bit too. Some of us today are still kicking and screaming. Jesus is saying, do this, and we're doing the exact opposite. We're like, we're like Jonah. We're trying to go to Spain when he said, no, go over here to Nineveh. We're wanting to go the exact opposite place that God is calling us to. And that's not living expectation. If God is saying, be in church on Sunday morning, I know I'm a preacher. I want to see more people here. Some Sundays we're packed. Sometimes we're not. It's just, it's typical. I've been in ministry my whole life. And I'm like, yep, that's how it is. Summers are terrible. People go on vacations, which by the way, go on vacations, enjoy your life. That's not what I'm saying. But our expectations in life should be to see God glorified in all things to see God lifted up in all things. We should be expectant in revival. Everybody say amen. We should expect a revival. Not because Pastor Daniel's here now, you know. That's not the reason. We should expect revival because that's who God is. We, we should be expectant in miracles. Don't, don't, don't talk about miracles, Daniel. We're not, we're not charismatic. God's heals. <laughs> I saw God touch a young man this week in a physical way, like a healing type of way. People were telling me about that. I think maybe the Baptist side of me is like, man, was he really healed? Or, you know, we do that. Me and Austin talk about that. Sometimes we're just, we, we're so lost now. Sometimes people go the other direction. I get it. But I've seen people healed. I can remember as a 12-year-old man, my, my 12-year-old man, I wasn't a man yet. As a 12-year-old boy, <laughs> I thought I was a man. But I'm sitting in church. And of course, my daddy's a pastor. We're on the mission field. And there was a young girl who came to church. She had this tumor on her neck. I'm talking like this. It looked like this, you know? Boom. She had this tumor on her neck. She went to the doctors and they said, yeah, it's cancer. She probably won't live longer than a year. That's what they told her, right? And we're sitting in church and they, they bring her up, ask for scripture. You know, the elders came, laid hands on her. We anointed with oil. We did all that. We prayed for her. And then they go and sit down. Nothing happens. Kind of what we expect, right? We're sitting through service. My dad begins to preach. And all of a sudden, I hear the loudest wail I've ever heard in my life. The scream. And then laughing. <laughs> and then joy. And I remember I was sitting about, about here in the, in the sanctuary. And I turn around. And this grandmother, who's very up in age, had picked this girl up and was holding her in the air. And she's like, look what my God can do. Says it just like that. And I'm like. I didn't even know she could walk. But anyways, she, she picked this girl up and was doing that. And they brought her down to the front. And, and guys, this was the most amazing thing. That thing was completely gone. Does God always move in that way? He doesn't always. It's his will, right? I mean, he's, he's got his purposes. But for little Vicky that morning, that, that cancer was gone. Completely gone. Completely healed. A lot of times we just don't expect miracles. We don't expect God to start vans for us. Right? We don't expect God to, to meet budget demands for a church. We don't, we don't expect God to bring people on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever. But we should be living at expectation because our God is powerful. We should believe in revivals, in miracles. And guys, here's the, here's the thing, in salvations. I love that we have church and we have this all oh, this, this really comfortable time where we get together and we sing together and we, we worship together. Sunday morning should be a time where people are coming to Jesus too. And everybody says, I want that. But here's the thing. You need to bring people here. 
Maybe you want to see salvations out in the community. You know, God does salvations out there too, doesn't he? There's been a lot of people who've been saved around a coffee table or driving down the highway. Which, if you're driving down the highway, just leave your eyes open. You can pray with your eyes open. It's okay. So we should be expecting growth. We should be expecting perseverance of who we are. McLeod FBC, man, we've been here a long time. Been here a long time, a lot of ministry. I mean, how many people have been saved on these grounds? I'm, I, I, I think about that a lot when I come to work on throughout the week. Come to my office, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder who was saved like right here, you know? I wonder who was saved. I wonder who was the first person that was saved right here on this step, right? I wonder who the first person that was saved over here where the parking lot is and there used to be a church there. I wonder who was, how many people were saved in that building? The building's long gone. <laughs> we got one right here. Amen. But there's been a lot of people saved in that building. The building's gone, but guess what? Those people still have eternal life. We forget that. The Holy Spirit's work. The, what we see here in this first century church is a movement of the Holy Spirit through God's people for God's glory. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? As we close today, I, I want us to think about this. And um, if you're marking in your, your notes or anything like that, go home and read First Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, that's something we should be expecting. Jesus is coming back. And Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he tells them, hey, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. I don't want you guys to be doofuses. I want you to understand what's really going to happen here. That one day, the archangel's going to come, and there's going to be a cry, there's going to be a trumpet blast, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Man, a lot of us, we, you know, I, every time I do a funeral, I always read that passage of Scripture because that's our hope. And Paul says, hey, encourage each other with these words. Because it's a very... Uh, a, a funeral is a very down time. You, you just see what seems to be us is a, like the period at the end of a sentence when you see a casket, but really it's just like a, it's a semicolon or a, or a comma. It's not over yet, right? It's an ellipsis. It's a dot, dot, dot at the end of a sentence. And, and it, for the believer, it's true because, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their, that person's life, they will have eternal life. We will see them again. And one day, the dead in Christ will rise first. And those that are of us that are left behind will meet them in the air. And there we will be with the Lord forever. Now, if we can have expectation in that, I believe we can have expectation in the day today. Whatever we do. That when we come to church, if you're involved in the youth ministry or the kids ministry or the adult ministry, you know, uh, the, the craft ladies, y'all, y'all get, y'all get to making all these beautiful things. I mean, even expecting God to move in, in times like that, right? That's a fellowship ministry, but God can move in big ways in people's lives. And maybe sometimes we just don't expect God to move. Well, yeah, it's Sunday. Let's just get out of here, pastor. It's 1202. I'm sorry. It's 1202 and I know everybody wants to go to lunch. I see a lot of amens and head shakings that we should be expecting God, but are we expecting God to do anything here in the next couple moments? I mean, really, if we were to be truthful, we expect an amen and a handshake and then we go eat. Instead of expecting, God, would you do something today? Would you move in someone's life today? Writer in Proverbs, he says that my inmost being, chapter 23, my inmost being will exalt when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners. Who should we envy? We should, we should envy the work of the Holy Spirit. We should envy what God's done in the past. We should want that again. We should want that Holy Spirit to fill us again, right? 
I know the Holy Spirit's always there, but sometimes we just need a, like a push, a, a fresh fire, something that to hit us to where we're like, you know what, God, we want to see that again. Because why? Well, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Church, FBC McLeod, surely there is a future. Everybody say amen. And your hope will not be cut off. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and stand as our musicians come forward this morning? Our God is alive. He is a God who who we know is a, is a living God, that we know He has sent us the Holy Spirit and that we should be living in expectation today. Fathers, we come today and we've, we've hit these points. And Lord, chapter one is such a beautiful book in Scripture. Because in Acts, God, we see this... this this introduction as to what the Spirit did in that first church. We get into chapter 2, God, and we see some stuff that, honestly, sometimes as Baptists, we're just uncomfortable with chapter 2. But, but Lord, I pray that as the church comes together, that we'll look into these scriptures. Father, we'll see that this is our story too, and that, that Lord, we should expect you to move. God, we should expect you to do mighty things. For those people in our lives who are far from God, instead of just writing them off as well, they've always been that way. Father, let our prayer be a prayer of expectation that their lives will be forever changed. Lord, some of the most powerful believers I know at one point in their life were what we would consider are the vilest of sinners. Father, would you, would you create an expectation within this body to see you move. Not a false expectation, not an expectation because like, well, we'd like to see change, but, but an expectation that is powered by the Holy Spirit because you are a living God. Lord, this is all possible because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross at Calvary. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Thank you that he's alive and well. That beautiful picture of how Christ was was witnessed by so many people as, as alive. And Lord, even today, we would all agree that Jesus is alive. Lord, I pray that we will live like these truths are truth and not just doctrine. But we will live by these. God, if there be anyone that's here today or anyone that's listening later, God, that does not know you, they're lost in sin and they know that they're lost in sin. God, I pray. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart. That they, they would be drawn to, to redemption. They would believe today. For if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That's the process. Thank you for being a God who loves us. If you draw a believer and unbeliever alike to you today in this place, God. Lord, we're expecting you to move. In your most holy name, amen.